that you can't uh, function well and you're glad to get off your feet when you've got them, them ones you've got to really stuff your feet into, you know. But uh, appreciate uh, just how God speaks to us through song. Song has been called the handmaiden of the gospel. In fact, years ago down in parts of our nation and across our nation when, when uh, people didn't read, I don't, uh, the ability to read was not as, as common as it is today. Uh, they would put got the gospel messages into a song, and people could remember the song when they couldn't read or write. They could remember, yes, Jesus loves me. They could remember, uh, you know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. They could remember the old songs, and the songs actually contained the gospel, and it liberated people, and that's why song has been an important part of church and the kingdom of God. And so I appreciate the song service today and the worship time. Glad to be here. I tell you what, when I come into Warsaw, the spirit of Warsaw came upon me. Uh, and uh, I, uh, I almost pulled out in, in traffic today. But, you know, that's happened to me here in Warsaw. And, and it was amazing how that, you know, Warsawians, uh, have you ever been called a Warsawian? You're a Warsawian. And I had one Warsawian look at me like, what in the world are you doing? You think you live here? Uh, and, uh, but uh, <clears throat> I'll, I'll do better next time. <laughs> Hannah. <laughs> oh, I, I, I at just slipped right out of my mouth. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, glory. Uh, love you all to so uh, love your pastor and his wife, Martha, and uh, honored to get to be here and celebrate with them on their Birthday weekend that you've chosen to celebrate with them. And, of course, they're going to celebrate if you did or not. You know, but uh, God bless you, Pastor, you and Martha. And we love you. You're great pastors. It's good to have a good shepherd that watches over, over you and ministers to you. Uh, and just uh, as a watchman for your soul. You know, shepherding is not a, it's not a, a off-the-cuff thing. It's not a... It's not a, a secondary task or, or assignment. When you're called to pastor, it does not matter where you are. You are a pastor. My, my grandson recently uh, asked, uh, said, Papa, uh, I wish, uh, we were talking, he's 15 years old now. He said, Papa, said, I, uh, I wish that you still pastored. I said, I said Brock, I've never stopped pastoring. I, I stepped aside to step up. And I stepped aside from the duties of lead pastor in, in 2012 at our church. And I'd pastored there for over 37 years. And uh, I said, but I've never stopped pastoring. I said, because I, pastoring, you don't pastor a building. You pastor people. And it's when you talk to people and you share Christ with people and you love people. And uh, he paused for a little bit and thought about that. He says, hmm. That must be what I'm doing at school. I meet with five or six every day, and we meet in a circle. We have prayer. We talk. And I said, that's a little bit, you about got the message there. Uh, that's, that's shepherding. And so I love, I love uh, the hearts of pastors, and I just appreciate uh, all of you all so much. I seen uh, Sister Carol, as uh, she stepped on the pulpit this morning. I remember meeting her for the first time at Brother Albert Whitaker's church. Uh, she was one of the young people there, and I was preaching for Brother Whitaker and her her brother Don, and uh, just uh, good memories in Warsaw, Indiana. Just I'm, I'm talking about forever. Seems like forever, and I've been a part of of, uh, of this part of the country. So, uh, God bless you so much, and thank you again for the privilege. And Carol, I don't know if anybody's told you this or not, but you have a, a mantle on you. Uh, I see I see your mother's mantle wrapping tighter around you. The mantle of, of that gifting and calling. And don't be afraid of it. All right. Praise God bless you. Praise God. Would you pray with me this morning? We want to believe God. We're asking God to talk to us today because if I talk, you'll get bored. And, and you'll say, oh, my God, I wish he would quit. I always make people happy everywhere I go. I'm happy or happy I start or happy I quit. Uh, but uh, I, I want you to, I want you, when we get done, I want to be able to say, man, I was glad I heard and and came and listened. So I want us to pray. I want you to open up your heart. How many believe God's words are creative? How many ever heard somebody say something and it painted a picture in your mind? All right? Uh, 
And so I, I, I believe God's words are artistic. They're creative. They paint pictures in our heart and our mind. And I want God to say some things to us, and I want, him to, I want to be used of him to share that word. So let's pray. Father, we love you. We open up our hearts to you, Lord, as, as a blank canvas that you, Lord, may speak, Lord, to us and write on the canvas of our life, our heart, our spirit, man, that which you want us, God, to see today. Lord, you told uh, Hosea, or Habakkuk, rather, that you told him to stand on your watch and wait and see what I will say unto you and write it down. See what I will say unto you and write it down. He was about to give that prophet a word, picture. You was going to paint a picture for him. So I pray that your word be creative today, that it speak to our hearts today in a clear way. As we are in this last month of our calendar year, God, I believe it's important what we say as we are preparing to walk through the door of a new year. So talk, God, to us today. Be creative in your word today. And, Lord, paint a picture. Begin to paint that picture, God, in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So glad my lovely wife could come. She is uh, holding uh, our godson. All right, and uh, so, uh, ma'am, I don't get all the sugar, all right? You just don't steal it all. I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Genesis. Easy book to find in the Bible. It's right off the bat, or the first chapter, all right, the book of Genesis. And uh, so I want to, I want to uh, uh, direct our thoughts there today, but also b- before, and as you're finding that, that word or there in that chapter, I want to, I'm going to be preaching today on God said, and God said, so critically important for us to remember that God is speaking in this hour. There's nothing that has, that has taken God's voice from him. You ever, how many heard the expression, cat got your tongue? In other words, you don't you have a comeback? Can't you say anything? I want to say this, that God can always say something. There are some times that God is silent for the purpose uh, preparing to say the, the, the exact right thing at the exact moment. How much of you ever felt like God delayed talking to you? How much of you ever felt like God gave you the silent treatment? I'll tell you what, it's worse than when your wife gives you the silent treatment, is when God ain't talking. Uh, as a pastor, I've craved to hear the voice of God. And I want to talk about God said and I want you to understand that when Jesus was tempted, I'm going to just lay some foundation here because foundation is important. When Jesus was tempted in Matthew 4, there were, there were temptations there that, that uh, Jesus replied with the word of God always. He, was, he would say, as Satan would tempt him, he would say, but it is written, for example, when you said turn the stones into bread, Jesus said it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. He could have said, but God said, it's, but God said, man, don't live by bread alone. Uh, but God said, thou shalt have no other gods before you. you know, I'm, and so Jesus responded with what he knew God would say. Uh, and in fact, in, in the fourth verse of Matthew 4, it says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds, plural, that proceeds even in 2018 all the way to this year, all the way into next year, but by every word that proceeds out of the word of God. We look sometimes in our, our country that we love. We're grateful for our nation. I'm glad to be an American. I'm thankful for the blessings of God in this country. I'm thankful for my roots. I'm thankful for everything. But I understand that from the time I was a kid, this nation has changed. And it is changing even more rapidly as time progresses. What was in one month can be out the next month. Amen. And and our social media networks, the Internet, et cetera, can can with with just one blast out can change the entire mindset of people. What used to be rejected is accepted. What used to be accepted is rejected now. Uh, what used to be right 
uh, is now wrong. What used to be wrong is now right. And it's, it seems to be everywhere when that starts. It, we're in a fast-paced world today. Jesus again said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I am convinced that God has a word for this year and for next year. God has a word. He is a God that, that never stops talking uh, in, in, uh, in some place in this earth, all right? Out of the seven and a half billion people on earth today, there's not a people group, there's not a, a, a political party, there's not a movement that has a voice like God's voice. And God can talk louder than the Republicans or the Democrats. Uh, God can talk louder than the independents. God can talk louder than the, than the, uh, you know, any movement that's in the earth today. God's voice. I want to be sensitive to that voice of God today. Amen. Over 1,900 times you will find in Scripture that is implied that God said, God says, or thus saith the Lord, over 1,900 times. You can't read the Bible and ever come away thinking God isn't talking today. Because I'm telling you, God's talking today. Amen. Your pastor's done said tonight, he's going to be, be preaching and, and sharing what God has spoke to him about breaking ground. That is, a, that is a now word. Amen. It's a now word. And so I want to challenge us to hear what God says today. And so when we look at this, we, uh, I remember a verse, and again, I'm, I'm now I'm just, I'm just digging my foundation, all right? You got to put the right kind of, got to make it the right kind of footage, and you got to put some reinforcement still in there. Uh, I remember a, a scripture that I prayed for years uh, as pastoring, found in, in Psalms 149, verse 40 and, 49 and 50. Psalms 119, verse 49 and, and 50. And this is just foundation. I'd pray this to the Lord. And, and it says, remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. And I would, I'd, I, many mornings, get on my knees and say, Lord, remember what you said. Remember what you said to me that made me have hope. Remember what you said to me that brought clarity and purpose. Remember that, God. It's all right to remind God. How many, uh, how many of you and children, when your mom and dad said he's going to get you something, reminded mom and dad of that? Well, he's our heavenly father. It's all right for us to remind our heavenly father. But God, you said this, and you said that, and you told me, Lord, you was going to do this. And Lord, you spoke into my heart. I know it was you, God. And, 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 and now, God, I, I, I'm just putting you, I know you've not forgotten, but I just want to remind you anyway. All right? Hallelujah. So we remind God. He said, for this, what I remember, God, when you remember what you've said to me, it is my comfort in my affliction. For thy word hath quickened me. That word quickened means made alive. Amen. Your word has made me live. I mean, you brought life, you know, into me, oh God. And so when God talks and we're listening, life is an automatic coming forth of that. It's the response of that. When God talks, I'm going to tell you, I was raised in church. I told people I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church all the time. I mean, there was no time that I, we were allowed to stay home. We had services four nights a week plus Sunday morning. And we didn't have it just till you know, uh, uh, what we'd call a, a uh, reasonable hour. They, they, it, was, it, it, was, it was till sometimes midnight, one o'clock in the morning. I've seen people carried out to their cars under the influence. And nothing wrong with that, by the way. Nothing wrong with that. You may say, oh, that is strange. Well, yeah, it would certainly be strange at this day and hour. But I'm going to tell you back in that day, that was the norm. 12 o'clock at night. I mean, forget about late news. You wasn't going to get any. Hello? Uh, and there was no cable networks. And so, but I... there. 
God was always talking. And I, I, again, if you get nothing else out of this message today, understand that in this year and in the coming years, God's voice will not be silent. God has something to say to every one of us, to every one of you. He wants to talk to us. We simply have to listen. And sometimes it's not because God isn't talking anymore. We quit listening to what God has said. We quit saying, oh, speak, Lord. Your servant is hearing right now. We've lost the Samuel heart that says, oh, God, I want you to talk to me, God. I tell you, I'd rather hear God's word of rebuke than not hear his word at all. I'd rather God talk to me and say, God, David, this is what you got to do to get things fixed, get things right. I'd rather him talk to me even in that tone of voice and in that manner than to just be silent and say nothing. Wow. I'm going to have fun preaching all day today. Uh, so God said, if I said God said. Genesis 1, verse 1 through 3, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was out without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. I want to pause there just for a moment and say, sometimes it's hard for us to get our mind wrapped around the ideal that God would create anything that doesn't have a form and is void and darkness covers all of it. We think God is, I mean, you know, God, uh, I think God, it, we have this mentality that God, if you, if you create it, if you speak it into existence, it's going to be absolutely flawless and it will not have any problem. I mean, you won't have to improve on that. I'm going to say what, God will call you out of sin and then he'll then call you to a higher level in your walk with God. Amen? And, and so... When I read that, I'm saying, well, God, why did you, you create this and not do any, not, it seemed like it had no form, no void. Darkness is covering the face of the, it looks totally chaos. Anybody ever knew that you was in the, in the hand of God and yet your life was full of chaos? You knew God had called you. You knew God had laid his hand on you. You knew you were saved. You knew that you loved God and he loved you. And yet, yet be honest now, have you ever felt like your life had chaotic uh, just a chaotic turbulence in it. Though you knew God and he knew you, you loved God, you know he loved you, and you was going to the house of God, worshiping God, doing all you know to do, doing all the Christian things we, we call, and we're doing it faithfully, and yet sometimes we can feel like, man, God, there's void in my life. There's darkness in my life. God, where in the world are you? Again, I want to remind you, God's not done talking yet. He looks at that and he says, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. That's a great thing when the Spirit of God starts moving. When the Spirit of God starts moving, it's like peeling the potatoes before you mash them. It's like cooking the potatoes before you mash them. The, the Spirit of God starts brooding. You get in a service, in a song service like today, and the Spirit of God starts moving. And you feel that, and it's God just kind of weaving in and out of the people. And he's saying, don't worry, I'm getting the skin off the taters. We're getting ready to move now, and I'm going to put them in the pot, and we're going to boil this. these potatoes, we're going to get them soft, and then we're going to smash these things. All right? Then I'm going to put a stick of butter in them. Then I'm going to put, put some salt and pepper in them babies. Uh, man, hallelujah. God's a good cook. Sometimes in our life when we look like we're just an old rough tater dug out of the dirt, God says, oh, wait a minute, I see a mashed potato in that thing. I see a baked potato in that baby. It's, we're gonna, you're going to be all right. Tell your neighbor, says, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. You're going to live. You're going to survive. You're going to thrive. Because when God says, no matter if darkness is covering your life and there's voidness there and, and there's confusion there, when God starts saying, because God looked at that and he said, and God said, in fact, nine times in chapter one of Genesis, you'll find those, those little words, and God said, and God said, and God said. God said, and God said, when the devil tells you God can't, God says, I can. When the devil says God won't, God says, I will. When the devil declares to you your life is a mess, God says, no, your life is a message. In the middle of your chaos, in the middle of your mess, I want to tell you, it will not silence the voice of God. Whew. You, we just got to listen to him. 
We got to open up our heart to him. We got to say, God, I've got to have you talk to me. And God starts talking to his people and moving in his people then. When we least expect it, oh, thank God that when I've least expected it, I've heard his voice. I've heard his voice. I've heard his voice saying, it's okay, David. I tell you, I don't have to have God to tell me the entire, all the details as long as I sometimes just hear him say, it's all right. I don't have to know what the all right means. I just know it's going to be all right. Yes. Amen. Some of us are so detail-minded. We get out our pencil piece of paper. God, I want the details. I'd like an outline, Lord. Number one, then point B under number one, then point C. Lord, I want the, you know, how many... How many's ever got a recipe off of somebody and they said, oh, I just take this, I put a little bit of that in, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. I, I can't follow recipes like that. I tell them, you say a pinch, how much is a pinch? <laughs> a little dab, can you tell me exactly how much a dab is? Oh, you know, it's just a dab. Well, how much is the dab? Is it an eighth of a teaspoon or is it a fourth of a teaspoon? What is it? No, no, it's just a pinch. No, 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 no. I, I don't understand that language. I want details. And sometimes when God starts talking, we're wanting all the details. And what really God wants is us to have faith. God told, the Lord told Peter, walk in the water. You know, don't ask me how you're going to do it, son. Just get out of the boat. All right? Don't ask me how you're going to defy gravity and be able to walk on this water. Just get out of the boat. Do what I'm doing. Do what I'm doing. And God looks at the earth today, and we look at it, we say, God, I want to give up on it. God says, I'm never going to give up because I have a plan for the beginning of time to the end of time. I am the God that said, the God that said, let there be, and there was. There was not a committee meeting. They didn't have to bring the, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party together, sit in the House of Congress or in the Senate, and make some law to kind of prop up what God said. God said, and everybody else can vote against it. When God says it, he's going to bring it to pass. He's going to do it. I remember telling my mother when I was 19 years old, God had told me to go to Africa, and my mother said, what? She didn't say, oh, man, honey, that sounds wonderful. It was, what? It's like, you know, when you got married, for example, guys, and you told your mom you was going to get married or your dad's going to get married, they look at you and say, who are you marrying? And just depending on who you married, they says, what? Or, that's good. That's good. Yeah. That'll work. How many knows that our opinion sometimes is not God's opinion? The way we think and the way God does is two different things. Little as much when God is in it. God takes a boy's lunch and turns it into a, a full-blown smorgasbord enough board to, to feed 5,000 plus women and children. Wow. Isn't God good? God is good. I mean, tax time comes around. And the way the Lord does things is he said, oh, just go fishing, Peter. What do you mean go fishing? Don't you know the tax collector's breathing down my neck? I've got a bill's coming due. He said, don't worry. You're going to catch a fish that's got money in his mouth. Go pay both our taxes with it. Wow. God doesn't think like we think. He doesn't do like we do. He just does things the way God does things, and that's always right. He looked at things every time he said, and God said, he looked at it, and he said, that's good. That's good. You know, does God have a, does God have a scrap pile where he's, where he's doodled on the pages of history? Says, oh man, that was a bad, that was a bad century. <laughs> Throw that over there. No, he does not. He's a God of detail. I mean, who would have, who would have thought God would make woman like she made? We heard a guy last night say God just ripped out a man's lung and made woman, or lungs and made women. Well, I do know sometimes they can talk. <laughs> Scream like a woman. Hello. <laughs> I'm never going to forget that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to look at creation totally different now. <gasps> but I want to say to all of us, we, we've got to hear his voice. God said. And what has God said? 
What has God said to you? I love the scripture that talks about when the enemy, in Isaiah 59, says, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against it. Almost every everyone that works with the interpretation of scripture from the Hebrew and Greek, almost every scholar says one of the hardest things to to translate is the punctuality of the original manuscript. The punctuality. And, and we read it like when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the, the Spirit of the Lord. Shall, and we say when the enemy comes in like a flood, comma, the Spirit of the Lord then will lift up a standard against it. And what if we move the comma a little bit? And we read it like when the enemy shall come in, comma, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up, you know, a, a banner against it, will we'll lift up a standard against that, that attack of the enemy. Like a flood. I like to see, I like to think that when, when, when the floodwaters of adversity come in this far, God is continuing to build the wall of protection, never letting the flood get around me to destroy me. Amen. He makes a way for that flood to bypass me, to get by me. He'll put a levy of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God and say, I'm not going to let that water get into your life. I'm not going to let that flood destroy your family. I'm not going to let that flood destroy your church. I'm not going to let that flood destroy your ministry. I'm not going to let that flood destroy your joy. I'm not going to let that flood take your peace. Every time the enemy comes in and he's rushing in, then like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord starts raising up, saying, Hey, I, I I know that everybody's got things coming in their life, but for my children, they're going to flourish in the house of God because they're planted there. I believe we ought to. I believe our saddest day ought to make ought to make the world laugh in a sense because we have joy in spite of our saddest day. Amen. Amen. I, I I'm convinced that. That, that our worst is really, it's the worst it could ever, it's worst it could ever be. Because in God's eyes, and if we walk in the word, we're, we're walking above that adversity. Amen? The joy of the Lord is my, the joy of the Lord is what? Whose joy? Whose joy? The joy of the Lord. You know what you have when there's no joy in your life? You have the joy of the Lord. So you take the, the joy of the Lord that's been deposited in your heart and in your spirit, your soul, your spirit man, and you say, there's no joy in my world right now. There's a crisis going on. So I'm going to dip into the joy of the Lord that resides in me. Yes, yes. The joy of the Lord that lives right in here. And I'm going to let that joy lift up and raise that up. So the joy of the Lord, not my joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Therefore, there should not be a day I don't have joy. <laughs> there should not be a day I don't have joy. I like walking into stores and talking to people. See, I don't meet strangers. There's friends I've not met yet. And so they say, how you doing? I said, man, I'm better than I've ever been. Or if I was any better, I couldn't. I'd be walking sideways. Then I'd just do like this. <laughs> you know, if I was any better, I'd just walk sideways so I won't fly. Because if I walk like this, I'm just thought I'll start walk flying. You know, better than I deserve. How many of you says that one now? Dave Ramsey's famous quote. I'm better, well, I'm better than I deserve. I want to tell you what, we are better than we deserve. And we should have joy when the world is frowning and when people are falling apart, when people are wringing their hands saying, what are we going to do with all this political chaos? I'm so glad the midterms are over. I'm glad I'm not listening to a bunch of junk in commercials. I tell you, I just got sick of that stuff. I found out really that God, God is really independent. He is an independent thinker. He sets up one brings down another, and he says, what you going to do about it? What you going to do about it? Go ahead, go vote at your civil duty. You should do that, and I believe in that. But God is the one who's in control. Do you know that any second God could kill every politician he wanted to? Oh, I know there'd be some big conspiracy theory going on. Oh, can you just imagine 
but God don't. You know why? Because God's going to do some shaking and rattling and moving things around to where the church finally stands on his foundation. It's not man's foundation. Hallow. Glory to God. We serve God with a joyful heart. Serve the Lord with sadness. Oh, I'm sorry, I misquoted that. Serve the Lord with grumpiness. Oh, how is that word? Oh, serve the Lord with gladness. <laughs> serve the Lord with gladness. Hallelujah. There's a joy in us because God said, God said, man, it's a lot of foundation, ain't it? I need to get to the meat of my message. God said, when the Spirit of the Lord raises up, when the enemy rushes like a flood, flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard, or like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard. There's a great scripture in Isaiah 30, verse 21, that says, and as we're seeking direction, he says, in thine eyes shall, shall uh, rather in thy ears shall hear a word from behind you that will say, this is the way, walk you in it. The spirit, you'll, you'll hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, that is the way. This is the way, that is the way. Turn left, turn right, stop, pause, step back, and then go this way. Go to the right. Or sometimes in God's minute detail of everything, he knows again the end out there from the beginning here. Therefore, he leads through the minefields of life. Some days when you feel like you're going to lose your mind. Some days when you feel like that your family is going to fall apart, can I tell you today boldly that God is still in control, that you do, you're not going to lose your mind for you have the mind of Christ, uh, that God has got your family, got you in the palm of his hand. Uh, he knows how to move in every one of their lives, uh, every child, every grandchild. Our God is faithful. Sometimes God may put your grandchildren in prison so they'll, they'll shut up long enough to hear God. Hello? They wouldn't listen to you. They wouldn't listen to daddy, mommy, grandma, grandpa. And so God just says, I'm going to put you in a place where you're going to listen. I've got a 45-year-old nephew who spent a year in a penitentiary. And I'll tell you, best thing ever happened to him. Because in that penitentiary, he runs smack dab into Jesus that he had been taught and raised about all of his life. Raised in church, raised in the church I pastored. I thought surely I'd preach good enough to get a hold of Jason's heart. No, Jason was rebellious. So he goes to prison. And in prison, a child of God visited. He was in prison and visited him. And that young man got come to Christ. They baptized him in a, in a horse trough. He was, he was Southern Indiana, uh, Atterbury, Camp Atterbury. They have a, 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 a detention center there. And he's down there. They baptize him. I'll tell you what, he got off drugs. He quit smoking. He quit. He, I mean, it was absolutely phenomenal. And when he got out, he's not missed a service. And here he is, 40 five years old. Sometimes God will let you run until you get so exhausted and flat in your face and ripped and torn and worn from the world. But God's voice can say, hey, I'm right here. I'm right here. Listen to me. That's why sometimes we really do need to pray, God, whatever it takes. Now remember, when you pray it, be ready to live through it. Amen. And hear the voice of God saying, peace. Be still to your own heart. What does God's voice, what does it do? I want to give you just a few things I think God's voice does. God's voice is creative. It's creative. It, it speaks things into existence. It says, let there be. When Satan says it can't be. In Genesis 1, there's nine times again that it says, and God said, and God said, and God said. You know, just, just the voice of God has the ability to dispel the darkness of life around you and the chaos around you. So we just let God's voice be creative in our life. Sometimes when we don't know what to do and we need a creative idea, we need a God idea. Now, by the way, a God idea is better than a good idea. You need to remember that. A God idea is better than a good idea. Oh, I got a great idea. But is it a God idea? If it's a God idea, it's going to work. If it's a God idea, it'll do something nobody else has ever seen sometimes. Build an ark. 
Build me an ark. Well, what's an ark? I'll give you the plans. Can you imagine what went through Noah's mind as God's given him the dimensions of this ark? Nobody had ever seen. I mean, my God, this is, we're, this is, we're not on the seashore. <laughs> you want me to build this? There's no water around here. In the middle of nowhere, and you're saying build a boat. I'm going to tell you what, if God says build a boat, you better build one. It's going to rain. It is going to rain. It is going to rain. It's, we need to understand that. And one of the things I discovered by visiting the, the Creation Museum and the, the Ark, rather, down in, in northern, uh, north uh, western Kentucky, I, I sat there, and I'm looking, I'm looking at all of these cages, all these things that, that man thinks that Noah might have put in there to keep these animals at bay from each other. You have carnivorous animals that are living around vegetarian animals. He's nothing but grass. And they're eating grass, and the lions are going to say, yeah, I can't wait to get a hold of that. <laughs> but I'm thinking of all of the mess that had to be in that ark. I'm looking around there and think, God, this place must have stunk. <laughs> Boy, this place had to be messy. You know, sooner get a lamb's dung cleaned up till the elephant lets go. And how many, if you ever have had, you know, and they've done that for day after day after day after day after a while. You say, I'm done cleaning up your, I'm done. I am done. I sat there and thought, the church is symbolically the ark. And the church symbolically gets messy. Hello. Because this one comes in and it's got its own way of, releasing its junk, its waste. Another one comes in, and they have another way of releasing its waste. Their diet might have been a diet of the world, so deep into drug addiction, for example, and another one over here so deep into prostitution or another one, you know, whatever, whatever it was. Some, some cursed every breath. And so you find people coming into the ark, and you may hear brother so-and-so in the back slip with a curse word, you know, and or what we think is a curse word, and, and we say, oh, my God, this is the house of God. Yes, it is. You know, God, who does God say, oh, my God, to? When you mess up, who does God say, oh, my God? Oh, that's me. Uh, <laughs> really? I remember I had a Catholic guy coming to our church, he had a little baby. I've been visiting in the hospital, him and his wife. They were sweethearts. Last name was Kippenbrock. What a name. That's why I've never forgotten it. It's what a name, man. One of them, what a names. Anyway, they, they were from Jasper, Indiana, and moved to Indianapolis. Didn't have a church they connected with a parish. So somebody told them about a guy named David Gibson, Charity Tabernacle. He'll come and visit your baby and pray. So I went and visited the baby and so on. And, and so they were staunch Catholic, very deeply into Catholicism. But they loved Jesus. And so they, would, they found a, a Catholic church where they'd do an early mass on Sunday mornings and come then to our morning services at charity. It was phenomenal. And they would come worshiping with us. And, and, and I, everybody got a seatbelt here, I think. So buckle up. I'm going to say something in a minute. It's going to shock you. Okay, so get you ready. So John had never been in Pentecost, never spent around a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. And... And we have one of these services where God just grabs everybody up out of the pew and kisses on them. It's like a father and mother getting their baby down the floor, just, just, just getting all the sugar they can get. And I mean, people are excited. And they're, whoa, glory to God, folks running around the church. It was phenomenal. The last one that left that day was John Kippenbrock. Now, you all see how tall I am. I'm very tall compared to my little my, my sister who's 4'9", Okay. He was like 6'3". So he comes and, and he walks back in the sanctuary, and I'm walking up the center aisle to go out. And he stops, he says, and he meets me halfway, and he puts his big hand on my shoulder, and he just kind of takes and turns me around. And he, he's just looking. So I'm looking, what's he looking at? Okay. 
I'm thinking, what's going with John? You know, John had never been exposed to knowledge. He said, Pastor, what in the hell happened in here today? I wanted, I thought God was going to strike him dead. And I'm thinking, would you please remove your hand because I want to be about six feet away before God gets done with you. He had no idea what he had said. I mean, it was just part of his vocabulary. I'm saying the ark is messy. Get ready for smelly things. If you're really an ark church, if you're really a place where people can get saved and come in out of the world, they're not going to look like you, act like you, think like you. They may talk totally different than you. I mean, it may, you think some people look strange now. If you really go out and seek and say the whosoever will, you may find your church doesn't look nothing like the church is raised in. Hello. Is everybody still in your seat? I didn't shock you. I'll never be asked to come back, and I've cursed. I've cursed. See, my mama would have said, son, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. That is a bad word. And I certainly don't use that all the time, but it's a great illustration because John was so sincere and he loved Jesus. His baby eventually died. I was asked to preach the funeral. And you, hey, there's something when a Pentecostal preacher is asked to go to the Catholic church and help preach a funeral. I'm in a suit and they're in a robe. And uh, I'm speaking and sharing my heart. And, and, and then they serve communion. I didn't know they used real wine. But I, but I was going to take real, I was going to take communion. I was, going to, I was going to be respectful of their custom. I took communion. And I thought, oh, God, Mommy, I'm sorry. I'm, so, I'm really sorry, God. Mom, I, please forgive me. Wow. It's a different world, isn't it? And I'm saying God does creative. God had to do some creative things in me. God had to change me. God had to rearrange some of the way I thought even. He is creative. He can do it. So he speaks creative things. He speaks challenging things. How would you like it if God said, oh, you've been raised in Warsaw. I'm going to take you to the Sudan. Not me. Do you know my in-laws? They ain't letting us go. We're not going nowhere. We were born in Warsaw. We're staying in Warsaw. Uh, that's the way my mother thought about God sending me to Africa. What? She finally realized this was the will of God. And she was on board and great and happy with it. She prayed daily for me. And I thank God for my mother and, and, and for my heritage. But again, I'm going to say, God, I ask you sometimes to do challenging things. To get up and sing in front of the church when you feel like you can't sing at all. Hello? Amen. And so you get up and you worship. You lead in worship. God told Abraham, leave your country. I'm going to take you to a place you've never been before. Oh, that sounds like a wonderful place. Usually when we're looking at places to go we've never been before, we've at least had a brochure, all right? And, oh, yeah, those white sandy beaches, man, I like to go there. A Caribbean cruise, hey, hey I'm on board, let's go. Uh, uh, Pigeon Forge, sure, I'd love to see them mountains. Those leaves turn color, that's great. We see the brochure. God says, I'm just going to take you to a place, by the way, nobody's been there yet. There are no brochures, Abram. Just get up and go. Challenging. God will challenge you. He will challenge you. He challenged Moses at the burning bush. He's content to take care of sheep, and God speaks to him out of the burning bush and challenges him. I want you to take your shoes off first, and then I want you to get your mind wrapped around the purpose for which you was born and lived through a time of persecution and certain death for male Jewish boys. I want you to get your mind and your heart wrapped around the fact that I call you to be a deliverer, to lead my people out of Egypt. Some of you need to get your mind wrapped around what God's purpose is for your life. You need to stand at a burning bush somewhere like God begin to heat your life up, put a fire in your soul that will not be quenched to where you'll go do what God said do. Amen? Amen. Oh, my Lord, I, I feel so urgent to say this today, that, that God has things for us. We've not yet scratched the surface. Yes. We've, not yet, we've not yet seen everything God wants to do. We're still here. 
The church is being made a glorious church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. And when we walk in and say, oh, man, is this what it is? I'm telling you, no, this is not what it is. God ain't done with his bride yet. He is still working on his bride. We're going to get gooder and gooder and gooder. Oh, I'm sorry, better and better and better. God's going to work on us. He's going to change our lives to where we have become that bride that he, when we, when we, have you ever seen the groom when he, when the bride, when he, when the bride comes down the aisle, I've been with a lot of them, and that, that, that groom will, and I'll say all rise, and, and he gets to turn, and he looks, looks at her, and it's like, Wow. You know why? Because it's the, his bride. You think it looks bad? It, not in God's eyes. Not in our, God's eyes. Are we doing everything we want to be doing yet? No, not yet. Is it everything we thought it would be yet? No, not yet. But it's coming. It's coming. It's coming because God said. When he says it, you can take it to the bank. He says encouraging things, creative things, challenging things, encouraging things. God will encourage you. I love it when the disciples are on the stormy sea of Galilee and Jesus is asleep in the hinder part of the boat. How many of you ever felt like he was doing nothing but sleeping in your life? Don't care about your storm. He's just conked out. He's taking a nap back there. He's sleeping in the hinder part of the ship. They go back and wake him up. Master, don't you care that we perish? He stretches. He sits on the side, and he wrings the bottom of his robe out because it's probably wet with water, wrings it out, and he stands up and he says, Peace, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped. The waves calm. And they look at him and say, Man, who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? See, Jesus was there, I believe, with the Father at creation. When Daddy talked, it was Jesus talking as well. All things were created by him and for him. He was in the beginning. And I'm telling you today, I believe that Jesus Christ still has a clear voice for the church in this hour. We are his bride. He wants his bride to be powerful, radiant, glorious. He wants the bride to be attractive. He wants the bride to be a bride that can make a change in the world. Oh, my God. So he speaks encouraging things. When they were exhausted later on in Mark's gospel, chapter 6, they're toiling at the oars. They're faithful. They're doing what they can, but they're toiling. They're struggling just to get the boat a few feet in the middle of a storm. Jesus comes walking on the water, and his, his words were, be not afraid, it is I. Be not afraid, it is I. There's been times I've had to hear him say, don't be afraid, David. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. What would we do without the encouraging voice of God? The words that he has said, some things like, John is on Patmos and hears the Lord say, he shall wipe away all tears. Here's the Lord say, blessed are they who die in the Lord for they rest from their labors. That's given me such a different view of death for a child of God. Wow, because the Lord said, these things. The Lord says, lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. What he says, I simply want to make sure you understand today that no matter with the millions and billions of voices in the earth today, there's not a voice like the voice of God. His voice, David said, is like the voice, his voice is like the sound of many waters. His voice is like a, like a stream coming down a mountainside. His voice is like a quietness in the morning. His voice can also be like the roar of a lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen? Amen. I'm going to tell you what, I need to hear that voice whenever the lions of the world are chasing me. He, see, Satan comes around like a roaring lion. You know who's stronger than that roaring lion? Is the lion that lives inside me. 
the lion that lives inside me, the lion of the tribe of Judah that dwells right in here. And when that lion roars at me, my lion stands up and says, I got a bigger roar than you got. You know, you know, what, you know what the king of the jungle is afraid of? A bigger king of the jungle. Hello? A lion is afraid of a bigger lion. And we have a bigger lion. We have a bigger lion today. Oh, my gosh. We need to understand that we live in a world that, that when the world says you can't, God says you can. When the world says it won't happen to you, God says it will happen. Because he's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent, it says in Numbers. He says, hath not God said, and shall he not bring it to pass? I tell you what, I've taken, I've taken what God has said to me to the altar many times and simply said, God, do you remember when you said? Do you remember, God, when you told me to build? Do you remember, Father, when you said, be faithful? When you said, don't give up? Many, many years ago, I wanted to leave the church. It was one of my probably... One time out of about 10,000 times I resigned. And uh, I'm wanting to resign. Uh, things aren't going as well as I thought they should go. Uh, and, and I thought, well, maybe I need to, I, maybe I was only here for a small season. And I thought I would go. And my, my grandmother lived in, in Benham, Kentucky. Her name was Sudi Helton. And my grandmother by marriage. And, and, uh, she never called and talked to me. She always wanted to talk to, to Nina, my first wife. And it was her biological grandmother. And so I'm, I'm, I'm so discouraged. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to write my letter of resignation. I've done written it in my mind. And I'm ready to leave in my mind because I'm so disheartened. Oh, Grandma Sudi, who used to pray in her outdoor toilet because she had nine kids in the most quiet place where she lived at was the, was the outdoor toilet. And she'd go out there and pray, and they'd hear her voice cascade down over the valley as Grandma Hel Helton would pray and just pray in the Holy Ghost. It's phenomenal. Just make the hair on your neck stand up. Nina answered the phone. She said, is David there? Didn't even want to talk to her. Is David there? And I took the phone and, Grandma Helton, my, she heard my voice. Hi, Grandma, or I, we called her Mamma. She began to pray in the Holy Ghost. I mean, it just like that. She began to pray in the Holy Ghost. And she began to say, thus saith the Lord. You have asked, can I leave? And the Lord would say unto you, no, you cannot. I didn't need to hear anything else. I'd heard the voice of the Lord. That was enough. For me to get up, square my shoulders, and say, well, I'm ready to preach. I'm ready to do it again. Amen. Let's go for it. I see victory ahead. I know God's in control because he's heard my cry. He knew where, how desperate I was. And I needed to hear just a word from him. One word. One word from him will set you free and give you direction. And take you to your destination. One word. And God said, whatever God has said to New Creation Ministries, Pastor, you, it's still as good as gold in the bank. It is still solid in your heart. Be encouraged in the Lord. I want us to bow our heads. Oh, Father, I want to thank you today for your word.